This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Welcome back to The Law School Show. Thank you for joining us. My name is Ocean Enbar, and I have the pleasure of hosting Zachary Rosen, a lawyer from Lensner Slat, on today's episode. Thank you for joining us today, Zach. Thanks so much, Ocean. So Zach is a U Ottawa alum, and he's been admitted to the bar both in Ontario and Quebec, and has previously worked in private practice, in-house, and even in Parliament. So Zach has a wide variety of insight for us this episode. And today we'll explore the impacts of COVID-19 on the legal industry, and in particular on civil litigation. We'll get some insight from Zach about what it's like to be a lawyer during the COVID-19 pandemic, and hear about the implications of the public health crisis within his practice areas. So, Zach, before we jump right into the core of this episode, perhaps you can share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and your journey through the world of law. Sure. Yeah, happy to. Um, So uh, I grew up in a family where both of my parents were um, practicing lawyers. Um, My dad's a litigator in Montreal, and and I uh, sort of always saw a future for myself in law, though I wasn't sure about litigation in particular. Um, I, as you said, um, went to Ottawa U. Uh, I did the uh, LLL program for civil law um, to get my Quebec law degree. And follow that up with um, the one-year national program uh, to get my JD as well. Uh, afterwards, I uh, did the Quebec Bar program uh, and articled with a boutique litigation firm in Montreal, doing a bit of uh, commercial and civil litigation work, as well as a little bit of IP litigation. Um, articled there after having summered there uh, for two summers. Uh, and then after finishing that, um, wanted to make a transition uh, towards Ontario uh, and did the uh, special articling recruit, um, which at the time was just for articling students, uh, I think in Toronto, uh, and got a job with Lensner Slat, which was only going to start about a year afterwards. Uh, So in the meantime, I applied for uh, an internship on Parliament Hill uh, through an organization called the Centre for Israel and Jewish Affairs um, and was placed with a uh, then backbencher MP named Mark Miller, who's now the uh, Minister of Indigenous Services, uh, spent just about eight months uh, on the Hill, had a great time there, uh, and then moved on to write the Ontario Bar and head down to Toronto and, and articled at Winston Slab and then was hired back as an associate uh, where I started in 2018. That is an incredible amount of different experiences. We, at least from the shows I've heard, we, we don't get such a, a broad amount of insight uh, into different fields. So I'm really excited to hear what uh, you'll have to share with us today. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I, I suppose the one thing I didn't mention was I was uh, very fortunate uh, in uh, law school during my uh, common law year uh, to work with Professor Michael Geist at, at Ottawa U and, and get lined up for uh, an, an internship uh, through the Tech Law Internship Program which I did at uh, Shopify's office in Ottawa. Uh, so I worked with their legal team, I think for about three or four months, which was uh, really interesting, very different from the sort of work that I'd done previously, which was uh, civil litigation in Montreal and, and the work that I've done since then. It was a 
you know, an, an in-house sort of jack of all trades, um, corporate and commercial uh, department. And they do a lot of really interesting work, everything from, you know, privacy law to commercial contracts. So uh, that was a cool experience and one that I'm really thankful uh, for in terms of the opportunity that Professor Geis gave me. That's really, really, really awesome. I guess this this offers a lot of students uh, light towards the end of the tunnel to realize that they're there's a variety of different paths they can take, and uh, it's never set in stone from what it seems. Definitely. I think that's it's a message I, I try to repeat a lot when speaking with students. You know, I spent the first three, I suppose I did four years of law school, and I spent the first three thinking that um, my job at a small litigation firm was just something to spend my summers doing, and I, I had this idea in my head that I wanted to go do a sort of IP or tech related solicitor side work um and then it eventually was just bit by the litigation bug after a moot during my common law year pardon me um so you, you really just have to if you're not sure about what you want to do just keep your options open and, and try to explore different things and uh, see what piques your interest in and you never know it, it might be later in your law school experience than you would have expected but something might just bite you so now being in Toronto, I guess over the past few years, uh, your day-to-day routine has been um, fairly different than what it looks like today in light of the current uh, state of, of emergency or, or public health crisis that we're living through. And, and so I wanted to, to hear and, and let the listeners um, in on what your day looks like um, being a lawyer and, a, and a, a civil litigator and working from home. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, as you can imagine, things have been in flux um, since this pandemic um, really hit Canada and Ontario. Um, you know, in the early stages, um, when the news was just sort of first starting to come in and people were uh, first starting to think about how to address it, um, I think everybody sort of was just going about their business as usual, being a little bit more cautious, trying to wash their hands. Um, I don't think people really had the idea yet of social distancing. And then the changes happened very quickly. Um, once the province declared a, a, a state of emergency in March, um, you know, offices closed, the courts closed. And then the past, you know, four or five weeks, I guess, have been readjustment and and both law firms and the courts figuring out what they can do and and what they want to prioritize so you know my day-to-day life used to be this sort of usual thing you might expect the commute into the office um a work day at the office with the occasional attendance at court or discoveries and then coming back home but now it's (laughs) it's all at home Uh, it's all in one place wake up, sit down. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a, a blocked off office space in my apartment. So I sit down at my desk and, uh, you know, generally work uh, about the same way that I would have in the office. The The most significant change definitely has been uh, a result of the closure of the courts uh, and the inability to meet clients in person, uh, which is a huge part of uh, the practice of a litigator, whether it's preparing for discoveries or preparing for a mediation uh, or just meeting uh, to explore a new file that might be coming in 
Uh, all of that is being done over the phone or over email, which really changes the game in terms of how we um, intake and process information. So, so that's been very interesting. But frankly, um, now that we're out of the initial period of complete and total uncertainty, uh, there have been a lot of positive um, progressions uh, as the courts uh, and arbitrators and mediators and law firms see what they're able to do and start prioritizing those things. So, you know, we, we can get into some of those, but whether it's um, Zoom teleconference hearings or, um, uh, you know, motions, arbitrations, mediations, uh, all those things are starting to, to go forward in a different shape and form. But um, it's, uh, it's really been quite interesting to see. Wow, that's uh, that's it takes a little bit of thought to process how much of an impact it uh, it really has had on on the industry in general. And I'm wondering then what what kind of practical challenges um, do, do these transitions place on on a lawyer's day or a, a relationship with a client or even a hearing? What what kind of challenges um, rise as a result? So I, the first one is a very interesting one because it's the same that would affect any other industry. Um, technical challenges can be a huge impediment. I mean, I, I can give a, a personal example, which is, um, you know, as most lawyers and, and most business people, I function out of a laptop. Um, and two or three days ago, my laptop, which uh, granted was an older model, but but not quite sold, but I thought it was near the end of its um, life, uh, it just stopped working. Um, it, and I found myself you know, completely incapacitated because I'm like some more senior lawyers who, um, you know, were trained and worked in an era where there was no computer whatsoever. I didn't have the tools to know how do, how does one run a practice without a computer? You know, how does one um, prepare your documents? How does one review things? It, all of a sudden there was this huge shock to my system and I was very fortunate. The, um, the IT team at our firm is really great um, and, and was really responsive, and I was able to get a replacement computer fairly quickly. Um, so that I guess that's that's one example uh, because at the end of the day, it, ultimately, technical issues can completely stop everything in their tracks. So take for example, um, I have uh, just earlier this week uh, did a, a motion. Um, in an arbitration with a couple of my colleagues and uh, you know it, it went flawlessly um, you know all things considered uh, but even the slightest problem with um, audio quality uh, can completely uh, run you off your tracks uh, all of a sudden you're not sure if the arbitrator can hear you uh, you're not sure if the court reporter can hear you um, and you worry about whether your submissions are being absorbed effectively because of that um, so I guess that's the first part. It's, um, it's been a, it's been an interesting challenge uh, as far as, um, client relationships. I think a lot of clients are, um, suffering a bit of a shock to their system. Obviously different industries are absorbing this differently, but the, the general state of the economy is having a huge, huge impact on a lot of businesses. So in some cases, um, that's resulted in, in new files for us because disputes are arising out of um, circumstances relating to the pandemic. And in other cases, it's, you know, just clients trying to keep their business afloat. Um, so whether they're trying to hold off on work being done on other outstanding files 
um, just to try to refocus their energies on something else, or whether they're trying to get our attention um, to ensure that the issue being posed by the pandemic doesn't derail their business. Uh, it can really be a, a serious sort of circumstance altering event for them. So it sounds really like uh, the impact of, of COVID-19 really differs from um, industry to industry. And I'm wondering whether that's uh, the same when it comes to practice areas, um, whether one practice area really is feeling the tension or the another practice area is benefiting from increased business uh, as a result. That's a really interesting question, actually. I, I, I'm not sure that I that I think we'll be really able to, to know the answer to that once this is over, you know, looking back and having the data that will allow us to say, oh, wow, well, you know, we really had an uptick in those files. Um, but right now, I can tell you that there are certainly different industries that are um, absorbing the impacts uh, differently. As far as practice areas, um, you know, most of my practice is sort of general commercial and civil litigation. Uh, and I think it's just different from file to file. I, I don't know that there's a general sort of impact that it's had. Um, I do a bit of public law work as well. And I can't say that I've noticed a particular impact on the practice. I think that there will be interesting cases that will arise out of this. Um, I certainly think the the whole system of the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act is very interesting, and I and I'm very curious about what sort of litigation will arise out of that. I, you know, I, I don't want to speculate, but uh, but I'm sure that there will be some cases that will arise, uh, whether it's out of um, you know fines issued pursuant to emergency orders or the impact of emergency orders on uh, specific businesses or industries. I'm sure that a lot of interesting stuff is going to come out of that. I guess for all the 1Ls listening, it uh, it probably is uh, an interesting question to consider how the charter might potentially be implicated in, in any future uh, disputes or claims going forward. So that, that is an interesting question. I, one of the interesting things I heard in the news a little while ago was about, um, uh, you know, people's sort of fears when the initial um, announcements were coming out about um, the possibility that people might be pre prevented from coming back into Canada, though they're Canadian citizens. Um, I don't know that anything's necessarily come out of that, but but there's certainly room for a lot of um, very interesting cases, whether they be uh, against governments, by governments, or just between private parties um, arising directly out of uh, the pandemic. And I, I imagine um, there's going to be a fair bit of contractual disputes uh, arising out of the pandemic. I know a lot of the 1Ls um, have recently expressed their concerns in regards to rent and, and landlord disputes and businesses are also in a similar uh, predicament at times. And from the 1L introduction into uh, the law of contracts, we learned a little bit about uh, force majeure and, and uh, provisions that enable breach of contracts. And I'm wondering if you might predict any uh, implications of those kinds of terms and notions in, in future disputes. Yeah, so I mean, there is definitely going to be um, a lot of disputes that are going to arise out of uh, force majeure clauses. Um, you know, uh, really, it, it depends from case to case. The, 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 the interesting thing about uh, force majeure is um, 
that a lot of the clauses are, uh, are drafted in quite a specific way. So it will be interesting for the courts to try to determine whether um, a pandemic uh, is actually envisioned by the clause in a given contract. Um, the, the other interesting element that arises, even if there's no force majeure provision in a contract, is actually the doctrine of frustration as well. Um, the idea that um, there's a sort of impossibility of performance and the circumstances have made it such that the goals of the contract um, that were underlying the party's bargain has been frustrated. So there's sort of no purpose to the contract anymore, and, and that could theoretically entitle somebody to to breach contract. Um, so I, I think we'll see a lot of that as well, particularly in cases where um, there might not be a force majeure clauses in the contract. Um, but of course, you know, it, it'll depend from case to case, and uh, it, it may be maybe quite a while before some of those are even. Uh, determined just in in light of the usual pace of litigation. So it sounds like uh, the post-COVID-19 era is going to pose a lot of interesting work and and challenges for lawyers and law firms all around the country and and I guess all around the world. Um, And so I'm wondering if you have any insight or predictions as to how the legal industry or at least the Ontario uh, legal industry might uh, transform or uh, be impacted in the long term when it comes to communications and uh, digital transformations of the entire um, industry, really? So I think it's the really easy answer is we are going to see a major shift in the legal industry in terms of the approach um, to the the quote unquote digital practice, Uh, you know, Work from home culture is one thing that, you know, you can think of right off the bat, which is um, you may have law firms that adopt more flexible uh, work from home policies. Um, Everything, particularly for, I suppose, uh, litigation will flow from the court's approaches and the approach of mediators and arbitrators. You know, if if uh, after this, um, as some have predicted, uh, the courts expand the availability of you know, Zoom and video conference hearings, I think you're going to see a lot of lawyers who are going to try and capitalize on that uh, by running digital practices. Uh, You know, personally, um, I think that there's something to be said for um, in-person advocacy. I think it's very important. And I think there are some elements of the practice of law that we shouldn't be so quick um, to jump into a digital world for, you know, while it might be great for uh, a motion, for example, where it's a relatively discrete legal issue and the evidence is uh, given in writing, uh, you know, by way of affidavit, perhaps with cross-examinations or not, uh, I think that's one thing that can be dealt with rather tidily uh, over video conference. Um, but it's another thing entirely once you start getting into, uh, you know, live hearings with live evidence. Um, you know, examining a witness, for example, is something that engages uh, a lot of uh, social cues in addition to just uh, legal skills. You have to be able to read people, um, uh, read their tone, their pace. Um, It it is very much an interactive exercise. And I I worry that if we rush headlong into the idea of doing a a fully digital practice and moving everything completely digitally, we might lose some of the things about the litigation process um, that exist, particularly to protect parties and to ensure that they have a a fulsome opportunity uh, to challenge the other side's evidence, 
um, you know, that's why we have trials. And uh, I, I think that there's there's really great value in having an in-person trial and, and keeping that as a part of our legal system. Um, but I think we'll see a hybrid. I think we will see this being adopted for certain cases. I know that the courts are already expressing this idea that there's no going back. Um, I, I can't recall whom, but there was one uh, justice um, in Ontario a few days ago who commented uh, that this was a bit of a shock to the system. Uh, you know, prior to the pandemic and the closure of the courts, um, if you wanted to attend remotely in court, um, you had to use this system that exists uh, called Court Call. Um, and it's essentially like a laptop that has a little camera on it, and there's a laptop in the courtroom. Um, and, and, you know, different people have had different experiences with it. Uh, I have used it once with one of my colleagues and found it um, to be good, just like any other video conference software. Um, but I think the courts are realizing now that you don't actually need that. It's just as simple as opening up a, a, a room in, in Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams or whatever it may be and sending along an email invite and, and you can just run a, a hearing or a, a case conference that way. You know, uh, the, I think that the, the best improvement that we will have uh, is to reduce a bit of what I call the, the hurry up and wait. Um, a lot of time and accordingly um, uh, clients money that is spent uh, to have lawyers waiting in uh, motions court or civil practice court waiting to schedule things uh, often in a room with 30 other lawyers who are all waiting for the same thing and it, it exists for a reason and, and it's important that judges uh, and the court have an opportunity to triage uh, what is going to be heard and how long it's being proposed to be heard for but at the same time I think that this software offers an opportunity for that to be done in a much more efficient way that will be able to increase access to justice um, and actually decrease the cost of legal services. That's a, that's a really good point. I guess access to justice is uh, something that a lot of our listeners have really been um, learning about and, and figuring out that is it's a it's an issue that's thriving in uh, in the legal world. And if a, if a challenge poses an opportunity to find solutions for access to justice, then I guess then the, there is a bright side to everything. Um, and so that, that kind of leads us to, um, to think about what the practical impacts are on students who are entering their legal career and who are currently learning about how they can contribute to um, both access to justice and to um, the legal force in general. And although last year and, and, and throughout your career, you had a certain um, I guess, routine or, or status quo that was involved with uh, the introduction of the practice of law. Now with COVID-19, a lot of us students are sort of stuck wondering what, how are we going to um, find an introduction or a point of access into expanding our expertise beyond the textbook and um, wondering if you might have any insight or tips for our listeners to better utilize their their summer from home or their time off of the normal world uh, to further their their expertise and their what they have to offer in the future. You know that's a great question. Um, I'm sure that 
a lot of students are uh, really worried about the consequence that this is going to have, not just on you know the job market for lawyers, but but also on their ability to get experience and to to learn what it's like to be a lawyer to help them decide what they'd like to do. Um, and I know that um, not everybody has the same opportunities, and not everybody um, is in a position where they can, you know, take the summer off, for example. Um, and and I just want students to know that it, it's it's okay to just do things that allow them to get by. Um, this is a world-altering event, and it's a world-altering event not just for students, but for um, law firms as well. You know, every law firm, every company that hires lawyers, every company within an in-house legal department is dealing with this and figuring out sort of what the solutions are. Um, so, it, it, you know, uh, while it would be uh, great to use this as an opportunity to write some super interesting paper or, uh, you know, uh, contribute to some interesting legal cause, um, it, it's also okay uh, to just get through it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, coming out of the other side of it, uh, I, I very much doubt that any future employer is going to look at a student's CV and say, you know, hey, this eight months uh, during the middle of a global pandemic uh, on your CV is empty. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't see that as a, a realistic possibility. Um, but, you know, if you do want to spend this time and you do have the, the privilege of being able to spend this time doing something interesting to try and further your legal interests. Um, you know, anything from a research project, even if it's self-directed, um, to reading up on new areas of law, to just making connections uh, can be super useful. You know, at, at the end of the day, it, it, I guess one funny way of looking at it is all the people who you think are interesting lawyers, who have interesting practices that you're potentially interested in, are all at home. Um, they're at their computers all day. Um, they're not in court quite as often as they usually would be, um, if at all. Um, and then, you know, for people who are in a commercial or corporate practice, they just may not be as busy as they normally are. Um, so take the opportunity, you know, send somebody a LinkedIn message. Uh, let them know that you're interested in the type of work they do. Ask if they've got five minutes in the next six months for a phone call. Um, take those sorts of opportunities to learn uh, and, and, you know, while, of course, it would be great to be in an office um, doing some sort of internship or whatever it is, if that's not possible, it, it's not such a bad alternative uh, to just reach out to people, try to learn from them, um, you know, attend online seminars. You know, there's all sorts of interesting stuff being offered by law firms, by lawyers, by the law societies and, and bars in different um, uh, in provinces. Um, so, you know, sign up for some of those. You never know. You might sit in on a competition law seminar and all of a sudden you're thinking maybe this is the type of thing I want to do. And uh, you might never have gotten that exposure if you had just, um, you know, gone to do a summer at a firm uh, somewhere, you know, like, like I did. I mean, I went from law school into a small litigation firm, not sure that that's what I wanted to do. And I was very fortunate and ended up uh, sparking my interest. Um, but you know, to take the opportunity to try and just see what's out there and, and learn about different types of practices and different types of practice areas. And you never know, you might find something that's uh, inspiring. I guess, like you said uh, a moment ago, we, we're always reminded uh, 
in our law school that we're not alone. We're not going through the the challenge of law school alone. And I guess that's more relevant than ever during uh, this public health crisis that no matter whether you're a student or a lawyer or uh, an owner of, of a firm, a small or large, everyone is going through the same crisis and uh, and you're, you're really not alone in any of it. Uh, and And that's something I think that we need to remind ourselves uh, from time to time, especially us students who are sometimes stressing about making sure our CV is up to uh, to par with what's expected. Definitely. And, and listen, law students, uh, to an extent, are always going to do that. Right? Uh, it is uh, Law school is incredibly stressful. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people um, spend a lot of time worrying and thinking about uh, things like CV building, which, of course, is important. Um, but you know, like, like you said, um, everybody's going through this. So I just don't want people to feel bad if they're taking time to just ensure that they're getting through it in a way that's, um, healthy for them. Uh, I think that that's just as important. There's been a huge emphasis, um, in the legal industry over the past few years about mental health. And I think that that's something that students just as much as lawyers, um, just as much as other people in the industry need to focus on uh, in a time when so many of us are uh, limited in terms of our social interaction, uh, sometimes limited in terms of, you know, being able to just go out and uh, get a breath of fresh air. Uh, so I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you. Well, Zach, thank you so much for your insight. I can't tell you enough how much I learned from you in the past 30 minutes, and I can imagine a lot of our listeners are also uh, thinking to themselves about a lot of new insights that they just uh, heard. Yeah, of course. Listen, it was an absolute pleasure, Ocean. And, um, you know, if there's just one final message to send out to students, it's, you know, uh, you only get to go through law school once. And if you're somebody who's in happens to be in law school during the this pandemic, uh, you know, it's an incredibly strange um, and interesting time. Um, you may be living through what is ultimately a, a fundamental shift uh, in the legal industry, and you'll have been coming into it right at the beginning. So, uh, you know, I think, like you said earlier, um, that it's a huge challenge and it's a huge tragedy, um, but there's also opportunities that arise out of it. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see um, where the industry and, and the legal world goes from here. Thank you so much, Zach, and thank you to our listeners for taking the time to uh, listen to this episode. And if you ever feel like you need someone to chat with or want to just ask a few questions about life in general, feel free to reach out to to myself, Ocean Enbar, or to any of the executives on the Common Law Society, and we'll always be there to help you and figure out what's next. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and now on Spotify, or on our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter for the latest updates. Human stories, new legal topics, and career-advancing advice right to your earbuds. Catch it all here, next time, on The Law School Show.